pastor. Um, so if you are new to the church over the last few months, you've never been to a pizza with the pastor, you have questions, you have some thoughts, some whatever the case may be, you want to connect a little bit, right after second service, right behind this wall, we'll be having pizza with the pastor, and it's basically what it is. Uh, usually it's pastors, but I'm the only pastor there today, so uh, we have other guys spread out in different places, but we'll be there right after the service. So if you seriously want to hang out a little bit, have some, have some lunch, get to know people a little better. Um, and ask some questions about the church. We want to give you an opportunity to do that today after second service. Now, this morning, we're beginning a new series called One Step Closer. One Step Closer. As a church, God has truly blessed us in so many ways. He's given us a clear vision of what He wants us to do, how He wants us to proceed as a church. And we have had the blessing of, over the past 10 years, God allowing us to see a lot of that vision fulfilled. The fulfillment of a lot of what we talked about years and years ago is coming to fruition now. Our vision is to be a global community of Christ followers, awakening imagination, igniting passion, and unleashing purpose. Now, I talk about that a lot. I bring it up a lot. But what does it actually mean? What does it mean, for example, to be a global community? a global community. You see, the love that we should have for each other flows from this relationship of, of community, this relationship of oneness in Christ, in community. We should have a deep and abiding love for each other. That's what the Bible calls us to. And we get that, we get that unity, that, that oneness from this relationship with Christ and from this idea of community. In 1 Peter 1.22, it says, Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for your brothers, love one another deeply from the heart. And then Hebrews chapter 13, in verse 1, it says, Keep on loving each other as brothers. The Greek word Philadelphia is talked about a lot in the Bible. It's brought up a lot in the Bible, and it means brotherly love. A lot of you knew that already, but you hear that throughout the Word of God. Brothers and sisters, talking about brothers and sisters. See, the Bible, the Bible talks about a brother or a sister being obviously the, the children of a parent. They'll bring it up in the, the Bible will bring it up in that way, as a brother or a sister. However, the Bible never uses brother when it talks about all of mankind in general. This just generalizes all of mankind. It's very specific. When the Bible talks about brother, it's a very specific, a very specific idea. It, it consistently uses brother to describe situations in which there, there is definite and defined relationship amongst a group of people, a specific group of people. There's relationship there. That's how the Bible defines it. In the New Testament, that relationship, that connection, that relationship is the brotherhood of believers. The Bible talks about it as the brotherhood of believers. We are brothers and sisters in Christ because we are joined together through and in our relationship with Jesus. And the, and the Bible talks about having this, we have in, in the Word of God, we have this u- uniqueness. There is a uniqueness about it. We have this unique relationship. We, are, we have this unique identity as followers of Jesus Christ. All of us together within this body, this body, Grace Chapel, and all over the world, there is a unique identity that we all share. This body is a, has a unique identity, has a unique community in Jesus Christ. And then we are also a global community. 
We have relationships with those in our own body, those around our community, and around the world. There's a global community. And for us, when we speak of global community, we're talking about all of that, but we're also specifically talking about this body of Christ and those that we, have, we are reaching out to and building relationships with around the world. For example, in Nigeria... We have relationships with the tribe there in Nigeria. We have relationships with the children that we work with in Nigeria. They are part of our global community. We are, we are connected through our relationship with Jesus Christ. And we reach out in love and we serve and we build fellowship with them. We, we who know Jesus Christ are adopted into God's family, all of us. And I'll tell you something, there's something very powerful about being adopted into a family or into a community. There's something powerful about that. There's a, there's a powerful connection there. When, we, when you say you're adopted, when you adopt someone into your family, from a biblical standpoint, they are, they're, it's like being blood. It doesn't matter. Adoption, when you're adopted in Roman law, you cannot be unadopted. There's a connectedness there, a deep connection. So when we use the word adoption, and the Bible uses the word adoption. When we say that we are adopted into a community, we are adopted. In, 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 it is a powerful connection that we have with one another. When I, I go to Nigeria a lot, I've been there about 10 times, and, and uh, we're working with the Kisiup village there. And this village is a part of the Rakuba tribe. There's probably 200,000 or 250,000 people that are a part of the Rakuba tribe. And we've been going back there many, many times and building relationships and feeling a part of the, that group of people. Well, the last time I was there, the, the elders, the leaders got together of the tribe and asked if I would be interested in becoming a part of the tribe. And so I said, oh, I, I, was, I was thinking about that anyway. I'd love to do something like that. That would be exciting. But I asked now, if, you, if I'm adopted into the tribe and I'm connected to the tribe, is that just kind of like, yeah, yeah, the American guy, yeah, we just kind of, you know, yeah, you're in, you know what I mean? Or is it, am I really a part of the tribe? Am I officially a part of this tribe and recognized as a, as a part of the Rakuba tribe? They said, no, if we go through this ceremony, you are recognized as a part of the Rakuba tribe. Matter of fact, you have to pay taxes. And it's about like $1.50 or $2 a year. Wouldn't, wouldn't that be nice? Um, and so, you know, I had to pay my taxes. But I had to go through a ceremony where there was, you know, there was dancing. I tell people I'm the best dancer on two continents. That's, this is why, because dancing here and dancing there. You should see me on video dancing. They were laughing, and they weren't laughing at me. I'm sure it was with me. They were, I'm telling you, it was amazing. And, and you did this dance, and they chanted your name. And they gave me a name, Abidijah. Abidijah, and I was really hoping that it didn't mean, you know, sissy man who runs away from small animals or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, I, I said to the chief, I said, if you're going to give me a name, give me some good name. It has to mean something good, you know? I was really concerned about that. Little worm person or something. Um, it, it means champion. Abidijah means champion. So they gave me my name, and they said, the chief said every time, this was the district chief who came, he said, every time that you hear that name, that is your name. Abidijah, you are a part of the tribe. And so there was dancing and there was music and it was just, it was exciting. And I became part of the tribe. And being a, being a part of the tribe, I felt even more connected. And they said, now that you're a part of the tribe, you can go on the, the hunt with us. And so the, the hunt is where they, they basically, they, they take a 10-mile ring around one area and they'll chase all the animals to the middle. I've never hunted before, so even if I go on this hunt, which I'm going to do, I'll probably miss... Um, 
because I don't want to hurt anybody either. But here, because here's what they do. They actually give you, as a part of the tribe, you get adopted in the tribe, you get a bow and arrow. And, and these are the arrows. This is my quill. These are the, these are the arrows. It's got all kinds of cool things on there. I've, I'm not sure what this is. It looks like you put some liquid in there. It's probably something like poison or whatever. Uh, there are all kinds of things. I can't wait to go back to the tribe and ask them what, what these, different, these different things mean that are part of this quill here. And the arrows, they make, they make handmade arrows. Everybody gets a quill of arrows if you're in the tribe. And these are very, Josh loves them, but I won't let him touch them. They're very dangerous looking. And, uh, and, you know, you see, you have your own bow and arrow, you're, you're adopted into the tribe, you feel, you feel, and you are a part of this community. When you get adopted into, you're a part of the community. I actually, I'm a part of the Rakuba tribe. When I go back to Nigeria, even here, when I talk to Nigerians here or different people, I will say I'm a part of the Rakuba tribe, my name is Abidija, and, just, and I connect with those who are part of Ni- Nigerians here. I feel more connected to them here even being a part of this tribe. So we as believers in Jesus Christ are adopted into God's family. We are a part of this global community, and we're a part of this local community, this unique local community. The early church saw their relationship as Christians as a relationship among, amongst the members of a family. It says in, in John 3, you are, you, are, you, are the, you are born of the Spirit. We are born of the Spirit. The this, this, this same spiritual blood flows through each one of us. You know, people will say blood is thicker than water. I, you know what? I, I'm 47 years old. I understand that. Blood is thicker than water. But here's the reality. The same spiritual, we have adopted into the same family. When the Bible says brothers and sisters in Christ, we are literally brothers and, sister, and sisters in our relationship with Jesus Christ. The same spiritual blood flows through our veins. You are my brother in Christ. You are my brother. You are my brother. You are my sister. You are my brothers and sisters in Christ. That means something. It isn't just, hey, brother Jeff, or hey, sister. It it means something. We have the same spiritual blood running through our veins. We are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. We are God's children. We belong to this community of believers, and that means something. It means something. Everything was affected by the early church's understanding of this unity that they had in Jesus Christ. It meant something to them, and it means something now. Oneness with brothers and sisters in the Lord is more important than a relationship with your fellow countrymen or what social class you belong to or what political party you belong to or even what family you belong to. That the Bible's clear. This relationship, this blood that runs runs through our veins, this unity that we have is more important than all those other connections regardless of what they are. It matters. There's a, there's a connect. When people move from Grace Chapel, a lot of people have lost their jobs and have moved. It, it feels like I'm losing a part of myself when people leave. It's so difficult to have people leave because you are brother, we're brothers and sisters in Christ. We're a unique community. And that means something. You as my brother, you as my sister, that means something. 
It's not just something that goes, should go in one ear and out the other. As you can see, a global community is extremely important. It, it has a special meaning. It binds us together, and it allows us, my friends, to accomplish incredible things, extraordinary things that binds us. And each one of us, each one of you, we all need to be connected to this body, this local body through a life group. We are working so hard and making sure that everyone here gets connected to a life group. And I'm working, uh, and, and so is the staff and the leaders are working so hard to make sure everyone here gets connected to a leadership or a servant team where you're involved in a team where you're connected to others within the body. So you don't, you don't, you don't feel isolated. So you feel a part of the family. That's what it is, a family. You feel a part of this family, and we will work very, very hard. If you are not connected to this family, and you would like to be connected, you connect with myself or, or one of the other pastors or one of the other elders. Connect with us. Let us know that you would like to be more involved, and we want to make you feel like a part of this family, because it's so important. It is so important that we do that as the body of Christ. Each of us needs to be connected. You see, working together as a global community, this is why it's so important, because working together as this community, as this global community, we, we, we can do so many amazing things. First, we can, we can literally, we can awaken imagination. We are a global community of Christ followers, awakening imagination, igniting passion, and unleashing purpose. As a part of a global community, we can awaken imagination. You know, I say imagination, and some people are just like, you shut off because you, you, what, you don't even remember the last time you used your imagination. God wants us to use our imagination. You know, I, I just want to spark your memory just a little bit this morning because some of you forget what it is like, what it means to use your imagination. On and off. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, <laughs> the chocolate room. Just go back in time, my friends. Hold your breath. Make a wish. Count to three. Come with me and you'll be in a world of pure imagination. Take a look and you'll see into your imagination. We'll begin with a spin traveling in the world of my creation, what we'll see will define explanation. If you want to view paradise, simply look around and view it. Anything you want to do it, want to change the world, 
There's nothing to it. I know to compare with pure imagination Living there you'll be free If you truly wish to be Now, how many of you are going to run out and watch Charlie and Chocolate Factory? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I'll tell you, awakening imagination, do you even remember what that's like? Awakening imagination moves you from a, a life of mediocrity to a life of purpose. It gets you off that hamster wheel that we've been talking about the last few weeks, out of the rat race, and it, it reminds you that you're alive and that God is not finished with you yet. Some of you need to awaken your imagination. You need to believe again. I know it's difficult. Life has been hard. Life has been sometimes tragic and, and, and challenging. But God wants us to awaken our imagination. You think, well, there's so many difficult things, you know. Uh, there's so many difficult things to accomplish. But, you know, sometimes, sometimes God uses the simplest person, person no one else, no one else would think of, to do incredible things because he gets the glory. When you accomplish it, he gets the glory. Use your imagination. Uh, Proverbs chapter 29 and verse 18, it tells us, where there is no vision, the people perish, but he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Where there is no vision, the people perish. The, the word vision used here means the word of God. It's the, it's the word of God. That's what it's talking about. Where there is no word of God, where there is, there is no message of hope, where there is no message of life, the people perish. 
That is the, the, the main interpretation of that, of that verse. And so we could look at this and we could say that the Word of God, the Word of God speaks to our hearts and awakens our imagination. So if you're not reading your Bible, that's part of the reason you may be stopped imagining. Because as you read the Word of God, you begin to read through and go, wow, I can't believe God did that in this person's life or in this person's life or in that person's life, how God used them and how God worked through them. And and you, you begin to awaken your imagination to the fact that the same God is your God as the God of the Old and New Testament. God's not finished using us yet. God wants to use us in powerful ways. He wants to awaken our imagination He wants to move in our lives, and as we read the Word of God, as the Word of God speaks to our hearts, it awakens our imagination. In Acts chapter 2, verse 17, we read this, And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my Spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. I love that it says that. Because we think of dreaming and vision and, and all of these things and imagination for the younger ones, but it says the older men and women, you, both old and men, older men and women will, will be able to see things that they had never seen before. God will give us dreams, allow us to have vision, to, to, to reach out and make a difference in our world. And it's for all of us. It's for all those in the body. If you're still breathing, you are not finished yet. The last chapter of your book has not been written yet. And God wants you to open up your mind and use your imagination. And awakening imagination, my friends, is just the beginning. Working together as a global community, we can ignite passion. We can ignite passion. A few, about a month and a half ago or so, Chuck Proudfoot got up and spoke And if you remember, Chuck was saying he was sitting in a service where God ignited his passion and he decided he was going to start at work on purpose. He already had awakened his imagination and it was during that time that God uh, ignited his passion and he decided at that point to move forward with at work on purpose to use that passion that God has given him to start that ministry. Over a thousand people are now a part of that ministry here in our community, around the the country and around the world now. People are involved in that work on purpose because God awakened someone's imagination. He ignited their passion. Chuck is getting back tonight from another mission trip that he's taken a group of men on to Mexico. He took these men to Mexico. Why? To awaken their imagination, to ignite their passion for what God may have them to do. Transformed lives, transform lives. I could tell you story after story after story of how God has moved in the lives of people in this church where they have moved all over the country and all over the world to start something because their, because their imaginations were awakened here. Their, their, their passions were ignited here. And God has truly moved in their lives. And once that passion is ignited, working as a global community, we can unleash purpose. We've seen examples of this peop- of people, of missionaries that we've sent all over the world. It's amazing the size of this church and how many missionaries we've sent out and what they're doing all around the world. And also people who... Uh, people in our staff and volunteers who are using their gifts and talents and abilities 
to see God move in powerful ways in our church, in our community, and around the world. I could go on for hours telling you about how that's happened in our church, but I asked Brian and Karen Hitchcock to come and to share with you how God has been moving in their lives. At least they told him that's what his name means. <laughs> uh, good morning. Um, we are Brian and Karen Hitchcock. Um, we've been part of Grace Chapel uh, since the beginning. Uh, many of you women know Karen um, through her leadership in women's ministry and, and as a great Bible study leader. Um, thanks. Uh, I've been on the elder board since the beginning. Um, seems like the only way for me to get off is to uh, leave the country, which I'll get back to in a minute. Um, Pastor Jeff asked us to talk about our journey over the past few years and how God, through his Holy Spirit, has awakened our imagination, ignited our passion, and is unleashing our purpose. Um, ten years ago, when we started Grace, I was the CFO at a local manufacturing firm. Both of our children, our son Matt and our daughter Corey, were still at home. Uh, now Matt's in medical school and Corey is uh, teaching over in Anderson, Indiana. Uh, we lived in a nice house in Montgomery. Uh, the bills were paid, life was good, comfortable, uh, blessed. Um, but God was stirring something in us. Well, maybe more me than Karen at that time. Um, through the teaching here at Grace and some other life experiences, God was challenging us to look deeper. Uh, in 2005, uh, our daughter and I uh, went to Nigeria with self-sustaining enterprises, and uh, my passion was truly ignited. At that time, SSC didn't have anybody working on the day-to-day -day, uh, ministry to move things forward effectively. Um, and I thought perhaps God had prepared me for just that purpose. Uh, through prayer and consultation, I realized that was true. Uh, Karen and I had talked a few times about living a more radical faith, and this was a challenge and an opportunity, and as I looked back over my experiences, I thought I was prepared. So we made the leap, leap and I became the executive director of SSC, uh, leaving behind maybe uh, forever the comfortable life we had built. Um, for the past four and a half years, it has any, been anything but comfortable. Uh, it's been difficult and challenging, and there have been some dark days. Uh, but has also been exhilarating, satisfying, and faith-building. Uh, we have been a part of seeing thousands of people mm. living in extreme po poverty who don't even have the hope to dream, have their lives transformed through life-giving water. Jeff talked about that a couple of weeks ago. We've seen our children grow. Uh, we have also seen hundreds who have come to Christ or expressed interest in learning more about the one who gives us eternal life through his living water. And we have seen our own children grow in their faith, uh, and, it's, and as well as seen their hearts grow for the oppressed. A friend from here at church recently asked me if, uh, if we would do it over again, had we known the challenges we've faced the past few years. And my answer was that honestly, had I known then what I know now, I would have definitely done some things differently, maybe very differently. But then, that would have meant doing things my way, 
and probably missing what God wanted us to experience. The things he uses, that the things he uses to hone and refine us, to build our faith and then prepare us for the next step. One major expectation that hasn't worked out so far was that we thought we could do this thing through building the SSE businesses, which you've heard about. Providing an income without the need to ask folks to support us financially um, uh, in our ministry. Raising support was the last thing I wanted to do, and I often said so. Uh, don't get me wrong, the SSE businesses are growing and someday soon will contribute greatly to support the mission of SSE. In fact, New to You, uh, which is the oldest of the three, is already consistently contributing. But overall, they're not there yet. Um, even so, the time has come for us to go to Nigeria to effectively lead the fulfillment of SSE's mission. When Karen came to me recently and said, I think we need to be there, I think I'm finally ready to go, <laughs> that was an indication to me that the time was right. I guess you could say, though, I seized the moment because I believe in my heart uh, it is what we were supposed to do. But for Karen, the idea of moving to Africa for a couple of years, leaving behind friends, family, older parents, our children, not to mention the pets, uh, is a daunting prospect. Uh, it also means we have to do what we hoped we would not have to do, uh, what's uncomfortable. We have to ask people to support us financially. But I think when your passions are ignited and you know your purpose, you're willing to do what is scary, what's distasteful, what's risky, and sometimes what's just plain not fun to do what you've been called to do. Our purpose for now is clear. It's to go to Nigeria to move forward in the various SSE projects in partnership with the people of the village and the tribe that God has led us to and to develop the Nigerian SSE leadership there to provide for sustainability. Things you just can't do effectively from so far away. And we invite you to be a part of our ministry in the transformation of lives and the building of God's kingdom. We ask you to pray for us. Pray for preparations, wisdom, patience, perseverance, and funds. If you do us a favor and read and comment uh, on our blog once we get there, so we know you're out there, it will help us to feel closer to home. And yes, if you would be willing and able to invest in us financially, we plan to go in early October if everything is, is in place. If you'd like more information, we'll be in the, forward, uh, in the foyer afterward. Uh, our plan is to go uh, for uh, up to two years uh, so that the, uh, the financial commitment has a, has a limit. Uh, and so if you would be willing to talk to us afterwards, we'll be in the foyer. Uh, oh, and uh, uh, after I talked with our friend about some of the things I might have done differently, um, I told him that absolutely we would do this again because living within his purpose for you is the most excellent place to be. Thank you. For those of you uh, that I haven't met, my name is Chris. Uh, I'm an interim associate pastor here as well as the director of Impact Ministries with Back to Back. And Jeff asked me to share a few minutes with you on more of the how-to with this vision. That uh, I don't know how many of you have been up late uh, at night. I've been up late a lot recently. I've got a three-week-old daughter um, who is amazing, yet you know that night shift. Um, 
And when I'm up in the night shift, sometimes you're staying, doing anything you can to stay awake so that you're, you know, you're taking care of your kid. And you see those infomercials late at night. Infomercials are simply this. They are a lot of vision with nowhere to go. If you watch most of these, there's great idea after great idea. I don't know if any of you have them in your storage bins or your pods or your basements. There were all these great visions, but then when you got the product and you looked at it, it didn't produce results. At Grace, we want this vision to be more than just a good infomercial. Just a good Sunday morning where you come in and feel great about where this church could go. You feel really good about some of the stories that you heard, but yet you don't know how you buy in and how you become a part. You don't know if the product, when you get it home, it really works. I don't know if recently you've heard of this new product that's out there. It's called P90X. It's this new workout routine that is just kind of the buzz in uh, the sports world. P90X is a, a six-day-a-week program that you put this DVD in. You can do it at home. You can do it in a gym. You can do it wherever. It's ESPN broadcasters have bought in. That's where I started hearing about it. Was on, I'm listening to ESPN radio, one of my addictions. And I'm hearing these guys talk about P90X. And I'm thinking, wow, that's interesting. I've never tried anything but my normal workout in a a weight room. And then I go and I I look at my Facebook page, and some of my friends are saying, starting P90X today. And I start hearing about this thing that says it's a different way to influence your physical um, approach to working out. And so I think, okay, the vision sounds good. But I've heard this over the year, whether it's Billy Blanks or whoever else. You've got, it just depends on what year. This thing will be gone in a year. And I start hearing more and more about it. And then finally, I'm at a place where someone says, hey, we've got that. And I'm like, oh, I'll just throw a DVD in. And we go through it with some high schoolers, actually, the first time. And that was kind of funny. Um, and, but I think, wow, this might have something to it. And so then I get the DVDs. I set up my workout schedule. I put it in for the first day. And I wake up the second day, and I am in a lot of pain. My arms didn't want to move. My back hurt. My body was sore in ways that hadn't been sore before. And I thought, this thing actually works. And four weeks into it, I start having like this community that starts to build up. People around you are going, what are you doing to work out now? And I'm like, man, I'm doing P90X. I'm doing P90X too. People start talking about it. And other people walk in and they're like, I've never heard of a discussion like this. And I'm like, what? And they're like, you guys just spent 30 minutes talking about how miserable, awful, and painful this thing is and how much you love it. I'm like, yeah, it hurts real good. And it's awful. It's painful. I've never had to do some of these weird moves in my life, and never do I want to do them again. But it works, because what it said it wants you to be, and then how it brings you to be that, are working together. We want to be a church like that. Grace Chapel is a church like that, that says the who we want to be as a church, the bride of Christ and the platform that we're called to become as a global community of Christ followers Awakening imagination, igniting passion, unleashing power. I don't know how many times you've heard that today. You're supposed to get it. I don't know if you get that, that we want you to get that. We've said it about a million times. Get that. That's who we want to be. The how we want to be there is important, though. The how is key. And so I want to walk you through a few steps of how we are committed, the mission that we are taking up to become a body of Christ that builds toward that vision. Number one, the first key to our mission as a church is we are a church that is centered on God. Center on God. This implies a life 
six days outside of corporate worship, that He is the focus of our daily life individually, that when we wake up in the morning, He's the face we want to see the most. When we go to bed at night, He's the last voice we want to hear before we sleep. When we take our issues to anyone, we want to take them to the throne of God. When we filter opportunities, challenges, responsibilities, we filter them through the lens of us being the bride of Jesus Christ. When Jesus himself was asked, what is the greatest commandment? His response was, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Matthew chapter 22, verse 37. David said, I have one desire, there's one thing that I seek, to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon his beauty and to meditate in his temple. Isaiah said that, yes, Lord, walking in the ways of your truth, we wait eagerly for you, for your name and renown are the desire of our soul. There is no Christianity without a centered life on Jesus. Unless we are looking to him first, we're not looking to him to integrate him into our already successful lives. We're not looking to add the piece that's missing. We're looking to reconstruct our lives with a different focus. That's the type of church grace is and will continue to be. We will protect this Sunday morning gathering to be a place where we are teaching the name of God. We are teaching the qualities, the aspects, the attribute, and the calling of the one true God, that it's about Him, that our worship does not glorify us, it may not make us feel better, but it glorifies the name of the one who will conquer everything that needs conquered in our lives, that we will put Him on the pedestal where He belongs, we will center on God, we will be the church like Mary was the person in the New Testament, that while Martha was toiling and trying to get the house ready, She just walked in and sat down and looked at Jesus and said, teach. And it frustrated the world around. And we'll frustrate the world around, but we'll just sit at the feet of Jesus and be taught. And individually, you'll have to make that commitment. You'll have to make that decision. Do you want God to be the center? Or are you satisfied with him being in your peripheral? Because when he becomes the center, this vision starts to become a reality. But when he stays on the fringe you'll find this vision frustrating. We begin to center on God. We then deepen our lives in biblical community and spiritual growth. We have to deepen our lives. Those of you who have experienced marriage to its fullest, that you have been in a relationship with your husband in life for a period of time, you know this to be true, that the longer you invest in the relationship, the deeper the relationship goes and the more glorifying and more satisfying the relationship becomes. That your honeymoon may have been beautiful, but knowing your husband and wife 10 years later after pursuing them in an authentic relationship blows your honeymoon out of the water. And then if we are called, and Jeff hit it earlier when he was talking about us being a community of Christ followers, if we will engage in biblical community together, if we will choose to live this life together, and we will deepen our relationships and not just bounce from life group to life group and keep it surface level, not bounce from church to church or place to place, but choose to invest in relationships, we will find a beauty of knowing one another and knowing biblical community that most of us have just simply dreamed of. 
in Acts chapter 2, after the gospel is presented and 3,000 people confess Jesus as Lord and Savior and are baptized in the Jordan River, they start the first church. The first church started, and, and its initial response was, everybody came together. They came together, they shared life with one another. If there was a need, someone met it. If there was an abundance, someone gave it. If there was a need for teaching, there was teaching, and there was just breaking of bread, fellowship, prayer. They lived life together. That has to sound so beautiful to Mason, Ohio. Most of us weren't born here. Most of, us family, most of our families aren't here. Most of us have been placed here, either professionally or personally, for some purpose, and at times that can be lonely. At times that can lead us to wonder if anyone is really there that wants to just know us. We want to be the church that knows each other. So that we can be there for each other. So that we can hold each other up under spiritual attack. So that we can confess our sins to one another and be healed as the New Testament promises. So that we can be there in the moments of triumph. So that when someone celebrates victory, they're not celebrating it alone. When someone needs counsel, when someone needs wisdom, we're there together. And that we not only deepen our time together, but we deepen our time together based on our spiritual growth together. We're willing to ask each other the tough questions. We're willing to seek God through scripture together. We're willing to be in Bible studies, in life groups, in ministry teams. We're willing to live life centered on deepening our relationship with God through our spiritual growth. That's a cool church, right? I'm in. That leads us to the third aspect that will be key to this. We center, we deepen, and then we choose to sacrifice our lives for the kingdom of God. I believe it's time for the church, the bride of Christ, to redeem sacrifice as an act of worship. Not as a movement of some cultic crazy. Sacrifice is worship. Sacrifice edifies something as larger than yourself. Sacrifice is finds beauty in the giving up of something I want, need, or think that I deserve in order for the beauty of the undeserving, unable, incapable, broken, desperate to see them find their capacity in the kingdom of God. We didn't say serve, we said sacrifice intentionally. Because we know the simplest of acts waking up early on a Sunday morning to be the bright, shining face for two- and three-year-old kids when they walk into a classroom. It's not service sometimes. It's sacrifice. It really is. There's some of us in this room that say, two- and three-year-olds, they don't like me, and I don't like them. And that may be true, except when there's a hole in the kingdom of God that says, we have no one to be there for the two and three-year-olds. Or right now, we have no one to be there for the second and third graders. And you're going, well, that's not me. Maybe it is, not because you're wired to serve there and you're gifted, but because you're willing to sacrifice. Because you're willing to say, it would take God to be able to make me be able to be influential to them. <laughs> we have him, so you can sign up. We bring that part to the table. So we can sacrifice our lives, whether it's serving in the church or out of the church. It's sacrifice, not just service, because we know it means taking ourselves off the pedestal. It means the removal of pride in our own lives and humbling ourselves to say, God, you can have everything that I am. Whatever you want to give back to me, I will use responsibly. Whatever you keep, I have a belief that your kingdom is bigger than mine and you want to give me better. 
you want to give me deeper and you want to give me more influentially. And so I sacrifice because I am not a believer without sacrifice. There is no us without Jesus' sacrifice. Jesus took everything that he was and set it aside to become everything that he wasn't in us. Everything that he didn't earn in us and crucify it so that we could be redeemed to be everything that we possibly could be in him. We want to be a church that claims victory in that. That claims the truth that when we sacrifice, we win. Satan loses. These three components build into a fourth component that Jeff's going to share with you as we close. Thanks, Chris. I'm going to close out here with influence. You know, we talk about, we say in our church that transformed lives transform lives. And influence is, 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 has more to do with, with how we live our lives, not just what we say. We want, to, we want to share the gospel with our mouths. We want to live the gospel with our lives. That's the goal of influence. That we would live such transformed lives that people would see that and be drawn into a relationship with Jesus Christ. The goal of influence is for you and I to see every trip that we take to the supermarket, every time we go to the movies, every time we go to a school play, every time we go to a soccer game, that we would be Jesus to someone. We would be thinking through, how can I be Jesus to someone today in whatever I do? It's not just on Sunday mornings, but we leave this place and we become influencers in how we live our lives. It is defending the poor. It is fighting injustice. It is standing up for truth at school, at work, in our community, around the world. It is standing up for what we know to be right in our lives, living our lives for Jesus Christ in what we say verbally, but how we live. We influence our homes by how we live our lives, by our words being backed up by our actions. We influence our children. We influence the people in our, at our workplace because our lives back up when we say we're a Christian and they find out we go to a church our lives at work back up what we say we are. We are followers of Jesus Christ and we live that way. We express it with our mouths and we live it with our lives. That is influence. That is our desire to be influential. That is how our mission will help fulfill our vision. We need to understand these things as a church. And over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about them. We're going to try to show you with, with, with an inspiration, in an inspirational way, try to show you what God is doing in the lives of people in this church, how God is using this body to impact the lives of people in our church, in our community, and around the world. Let's bow our heads. Father God, thank you so much for this time that we can spend together. We pray, dear God, that you would use us. We pray, dear God, that we would submit ourselves to you, that we would open up our hearts, that we would open up our minds, and that you would pour into us all that we need as individuals and as the body of Christ, one in you, united in you. We pray, dear God, that you would pour into us and use us in powerful ways. Awaken our imagination. Ignite our passion. Unleash our purpose as we stand together as a global community. In Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great week. Hopefully you can stay with us after the service and be with uh, and spend some time with, uh, with me as pizza with the pastors. And also we'll see you Wednesday night.